0: This is a Hog Sports Network podcast.
1: Everyone, welcome into the Basketball Podcast of Mid-America. Today is Thursday, January 18th, and boy, we have a lot to talk about from since the last time we sat down and talked. Um, I'm Ethan Westerman, happy to be joined by Bob Holt of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and then we've got Blake Sutton. He's back there. Uh, running the board um what up (laughs) we've got we've last time we we sat down Arkansas was fresh off a loss at Georgia where they showed a little bit of fight but you still had a lot of worries and then boy Saturday rolls around and it got ugly down in Gainesville I think that's a probably a a nice way to say how that game went um but then they turn around and uh they face Texas A&M a few days later here in Fayetteville and Tremont Mark hits a game winner with just a little bit over a second left, a little runner down the lane to defeat Texas A&M 78-77, and my goodness, Bob, they needed that shot, didn't they?
2: Yeah, I mean, that would have been a brutal loss for the Capital B. Uh, You know, they played so well for most of the game. They'd gotten a 20-point lead in the first half. I certainly didn't expect, you know, Arkansas to win the game by 20, but I thought they'd maintain control, and you got to give A&M credit. They've got a lot of Veteran players and guys that have been through it and have experienced wins over Arkansas, Wade Taylor just kind of went went off in that second half and had 29, and brought them back and hit a pretty crazy off balance three to give them the lead. Their their, their first lead of the game, 77 to 76, with just over seven seconds left, and you're thinking, wow, this is gonna be. If Arkansas doesn't come up with something here at the end, this is just gonna be, you know, a horrible loss. And, you know, Tremont Mark made made a great play. And really, Arkansas, I thought the Aggies helped them out. And I, I wasn't aware of this. Orange had to call a timeout with about 28 seconds left when Trevor Brazil couldn't get the ball inbounds the down on the baseline. And so that was a smart timeout because you don't want to turn the ball over. But they were out of timeouts after after uh, Wade Taylor hit that shot. And Eric said the timeout that A&M took, Buzz Williams is a great coach, but – that timeout helped out Arkansas. And He might have said, "Well, I want to get my defense set." But so Arkansas was able to figure out. Eric said on the radio, they didn't even know if they were gonna who would inbound the ball. Probably just ever grabbed it, and then you're in scramble mode. And of course, the defense didn't set either. But um, you know, they, they they figured out spread the floor, get the ball to Tremont, let him go, make a play. That was based, and you know, crash the boards. And uh, and um, you know, A and M I thought gave token pressure let him get, the like Tremont said, he got up ahead of steam, and he drove, and he had it. it was not an easy shot. It may have been five, six feet or whatever, but it was not an easy shot. And I get A&M didn't want to foul him, and a lot of times you watch games in that situation, and a guy's able to get all the way to the hole because teams are so cognizant of not fouling. But I would have doubled, tripled, quadrupled, whatever it took to get the ball out of his hands and make somebody else beat And not the guy that scored 33 points up to that point and was very, very efficient. And so just like if it had been the other way around, if I was Arkansas, I would have made sure anybody but Wade Taylor took the shot. And I know he got off the shot at the end, but there were two guys on him, and he was leaning in, and I don't know how the whole thing went in, but it (laughs) did. And so, um, yeah, it was a huge win for Arkansas. I don't know if it's going to turn their season around. I'm pretty convinced if they lost that game that their season would essentially be over even just four games in the sec i think that just would have been not just a loss but to lose a 20 point lead at home it would have been so brutal Uh, i just don't know if they could have recovered from it and they've obviously got a lot of work to do but they've got a winnable game now it's against south carolina at home and so let's see what they can do but yeah that was that was a must 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 win
1: yeah and if anything, I think it gave the team a pulse again. Like that's what they really needed. I mean, just after the way those first three SEC games went, I mean, the best they looked in SEC play up till the A and M game was a ten point loss at Georgia. Like that's just not very encouraging. Uh, considering you got blown out at home by Auburn, worst loss in Bud Walton Arena history. Um, you go down to Florida, and it's kind of the same old thing you saw against Auburn with just lack of competitiveness. Um, at a lot of a lot of spurts during that game. It just felt like. Um, maybe some of the guys weren't as having that want to that that you need to have in SEC play, they come out firing against Texas A&M. That, that lead they built up in the first half, I mean, proved to be the, the difference. I mean, A&M just kind of dug themselves a hole that they finally clawed out of with that Wade Taylor three at the end. But, um, I mean, if they hadn't have fallen down that, that much early, they wouldn't have had to, you know, exhaust uh, all that – you know, emotional energy just to to even get back in it. But huge shot from Tremont Mark to lift Arkansas to a win. I was surprised that, like you said, like they just let him get the ball in so easily. I would have thought, if anything, just kind of deny him the inbound. And if they get it back into Tremont Mark's hands, it means they probably took off a quite a few seconds off the clock having to go the distance. So um, huge game from Tremont Mark. Uh, like you mentioned, um, kind of just the, the way AM was playing, it kind of felt like um, – they just were concerned about not fouling. It was a whistle fest in Bud Walton Arena on Tuesday night. Blake, did, do you like whistles as much as, uh, you know, I feel like um, anybody who loved whistles would have had a great time on Tuesday night?
0: Yeah, I saw something on Twitter. It was like with 10 minutes left in the game, it had already they'd already hit the two-hour mark. It ended up being like a two-hour, over two-and-a-half-hour game. Um, Doug Shouse was one of the refs. I feel like Arkansas gets him a lot. And yeah, his crew, his crew seems to to blow a lot of blow a lot of whistles. And uh, what, what I think it was the I think he was also his crew was also ref in the Auburn game, and that one had like two reviews within the first couple minutes. And uh, same deal, yeah, uh, tons of whistles. But yeah. it's interesting that yeah, I think with since you were talking about Bob was talking about wanting to get the ball out of Tremont Marks' hands. I think since he had the ball. And I think uh, he, he Mark was like 17 of 22 from the line. I think they were pretty spooked about fouling him as well. So, um, yeah, just incredible play by Tremont Mark. What a shot. And it was, it hit nothing but the net. Uh, he was kind of off balance. And I mean, in, in that moment, it was just incredible. And Arkansas is lucky that, they're just lucky to have a guy like Tremont Mark on the team right now when, Kind of seemed like all hope was lost. He comes out and has 35 points in a game winner, almost a buzzer beater. Um, so, like Bob was also saying, don't know if this is going to turn Arkansas's season around, but it would have been really uh, disastrous if they had, if they had dropped this one.
1: Yeah, Tremont Mark and Wade Taylor put on a show. I mean, the, the two combined for let I me. Mean, I'm not a good math guy, but 35 plus 41 that's 76 points between two guys in one ball game. Um, Really, really incredible stuff by Wade Taylor. They they struggled, uh, Texas A&M did, um, especially in the first half offensively, and it felt like he was, uh, in the early goings, he was their only hope to score. And then in the second half, he just turned into Superman for them. He was just um, – I mean, you look at the end of the game, it's, he's 13 of 32, not as efficient as Mark was uh, 8 of 15 and, like we said, got to the line a lot. So Wade Taylor wasn't, you know, that efficient, but, boy, he got it done like – in ways that like it was just timely buckets it was big buckets it was tough ones the last one he made that was (laughs) like you said Bob that was just the way that he made that shot and everything that would have been disastrous for Arkansas for that to just kind of be a dagger um after you'd built a big lead but Tremont Mark goes down hits the game winner and it was not his first one you wrote about this uh talk about I guess that first go around that Tremont Mark had with a with a buzzer beater in college
2: yeah, he, you know, somebody asked him after the game, have you have you hit some other game-winning shots? He said, well, in high school, and then I don't know if he just hit <laughs> forgotten, but he said, oh, yeah, when I was a freshman, and then Nell Ellis, who was sitting next to him, said, was that the half-court shot? And he goes, yeah, that was a half-court shot. And then I said, well, that doesn't count, meaning you know, you're know, just kind of throwing it up there and hoping it goes in. I guess is, I assume that's what he meant. And, and Mark was like, hey, it won the game. It counts. And uh, but yeah, if you google it on video, it's pretty easy to find video of it. Just uh, Tremont Mark, you know, he's a fourth year junior, this is his fourth year in college, but he is a junior eligibility wise. And when he was a true freshman at Houston, they had an excellent team, like Calvin Sampson always does. And they were playing Memphis, you gotta remember, this is back in the, the good old AAC days before Houston was in the Big 12 this year. And so, uh, the, the scores tied 64 all. There's one, I think, there's 1.7 seconds left. Marcus Sasser, if people remember him, he was an excellent player at Houston. I don't know why he wasn't getting the ball, but maybe it's because he was such a good passer. But he inbounds the ball. You know, Tremont catches it about half court turns, kind of goes through a couple Memphis players who I'm sure, again, were very cognizant of not following him. And he lofts it, and it goes off the backboard and goes in, just beats the buzzer. And, you know, the, the players all mob him and not, are knocking him down. The crowd's going crazy. And, uh, the, you know, Houston wins 67-64 because it was a three. But to me, the, that shot he hit the other day, well, number one was bigger because it was a game winner. And I would see the half, it was about 40 feet. He dribbled inside, but his back foot's real close to low. I, I, I talked to a Houston rider who covers the team, and he, he said, hey, yeah, 40 feet sounds about right. And so, um, you know, but if he misses that shot, then it goes to overtime. And Houston's ranked number nine. They're having a great year. They're going to be a high NC tournament See, They're a lock. Obviously, they're playing for seeding. Arkansas. I don't know if they can ride the ship enough to get back to the NC tournament. But I am, like I say, well, like we've talked, we're pretty convinced if they lost that game. All hope would have been lost. So that was a much bigger win that Arkansas desperately needed. And it was a game-winning shot. If he doesn't hit it, that they lose the game. So, and it, the degree degree of difficulty was pretty hard. You know, although A and M made it easier on them, that's for sure. But it was not an easy shot by a stretch of the imagination. So, yeah, that's pretty cool, kind of some bookend. Uh, and he may have some other ones in him, too. I think Arkansas was going to be playing some more close games.
1: Yeah. It was funny how he just kind of shrugged off that, you know, I, if I make that game winner, if I'm from my mark, I'm owning that. That was an awesome yeah. shot. I mean, epic, epic uh, reaction from the team. But it was almost like he was, in, like, shy to tell us that that happened. Or L. Ellis, at least, was trying to make him feel like it, like it shouldn't <laughs> have counted. But, um, but, like you said, the magnitude of that shot, it's really – I mean, we don't know if Arkansas is going to right the ship entirely and make it to the NCAA tournament. They dug themselves a real big metrics hole, honestly, um, just with, as far as the NCAA net ranking and everything goes, um, entering conference play. And the 0-3 start just dropped them further. Um, so it's a it's a huge hole to crawl out of. Um, I wrote on it not long ago that if, if Arkansas is to turn this thing around and make it to the NCAA tournament, it would be the most improbable one yet under Musselman just from um, looking at it from a a metric standpoint like they are just they would actually i think be the most improbable at this point of any team since the net era um has been in existence as far as this late into january and being as low as they are but we've seen muscleman teams turn things around they have done it in the past and it felt like at least to me on tuesday that that game was one that you know Maybe maybe at the end of the season you look back and it was just an exciting win and it didn't really mean anything toward turning things around, but it did feel like it gave the team a heartbeat again as far as like maybe a little bit of excitement. I think the word muscleman used was swagger, that you're just trying to get some swagger back. Uh, Blake, I guess um, from your perspective, do you think that that win is one that like at the end of the year do you think we're going to be looking back and saying that was a turning point <laughs> or do you think that it was maybe just a, a crazy night in Bud Walton?
0: I don't know if it's going to be enough to turn the season around to where you get, Ar- where Arkansas gets to the NCAA tournament, but it could just turn it around in a sense of people talking about waiting for baseball season to start and not having like a super depressing basketball season. Um, Arkansas could still, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and predict that they're going to make the NCAA tournament. They probably won't, but they could still make the NIT, and I don't think there's any thing. A lot of people talk trash about the NIT, but I mean, it's, it's postseason basketball. You get to play in Madison square garden. Um, it's still, and it's still fun to watch. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, possibly they, they look back on this game and, and consider it a turning point in the sense that the season wasn't a total loss. I, I just don't think it's going to be enough to, uh, springboard them into winning like, you know, 10 of their next 12 games or anything like that.
1: There's but, certainly a lot of a lot of red flags still uh, considering giving up as big of a lead as they did. But it did feel like, you know, the team might've gotten just a little bit of that, like Musselman said, that swagger back. And talking about turning points though, um, you know, I want to backtrack a little. I think that the second half, if we're going to go look back at the end of the year, if they they do the the Musselman thing and they turn this thing around, or even if like Blake said, they just have a decent season and not a terrible one. Like it kind of looked like they may be having um, that second half at Florida. Whenever um, the, the he uh, Eric Musselman played uh, in the first half a, a little bit, um, Layden Blocker and Joseph Pinion, they switched to a zone, and Arkansas actually showed some life during the, those moments. so They got within, I think, 10 points at one point, which it would it had been ugly. I think Florida went on like a 22-0 or 23, some huge run to take a big lead, but they, they pulled within 10 with these guys playing really hard off the bench. Musselman went back to his starters to start the second half, and the lead ballooned again. And then he then he put th- those two back in Blocker and Pinion, and they they were playing the rest of the game pretty much. I mean, it was kind of it felt to me like a message, like, hey, um, if 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 you guys that have been you know carrying these heavy minutes aren't going to play as hard as other guys, I, I I'm not going to sacrifice um, you know effort uh, for maybe talent. Or I, I don't want to say that Joseph Pinion and Layden Blocker aren't talented; they certainly are. But you know, these guys that had been. Uh, you know logging a lot of the minutes that earned those I guess early in the season Uh, Bob we talked about this a little bit the other day it feels like that might have been maybe a wake-up call a little bit uh, to some of these guys
2: oh oh yeah for sure Um, you know Eric I think he was just tired of watching guys go out there and not give the kind of effort they should and yeah they were down I think it was 29 to 10 at Florida and then, you know, Joseph and uh, Layden helped, helped bring them back to some respectability, and uh, they were, at, you know, and, hey, the, the game was out of hand before those guys got in there, but I think they actually got within nine, and then they're down by 13 at halftime, and then it balloons again, but, um, you know, plus minus how much a team's outscored or outscores the opponent when guys are on the floor. I mean, with Blocker I think they were plus two, and with Joseph, they were minus one, and they end up losing by 22 points. So that shows you the team was playing better when they were on the floor. Maybe Florida at that time was getting bored. I don't know, but but those guys injected some life. And, yeah, I do think that they – Served as a, you know, Eric talked about this after the game. I, th- I think he had good intentions. He talked about before the game leading back in, he was going to, you know, need to get Layden and Joseph back in there. And I think Layden barely played, it was a defensive sub late in the game. And Joseph, it, it actually, he actually got up from the bench one time. There was a timeout, and then I guess something changed, he didn't go in. But I think Eric had good intentions to play them, but um. You know, he went with the older starters because A&M has an older team, and the team always had off to a great start. So at that point, I don't think he wanted to mess with the rotation. But who knows what roles guys will have moving forward. But it, it was kind of weird. I don't know if anybody's ever been on jury duty, but I was on jury duty several years ago, and we listened to a case, and it was an insurance company that didn't want to pay off a trucking company. And um, it was two or three days, and we listened to it. and We were actually in deliberations, and the bailiff came in and said, that the, the case had been settled and you think, oh, okay, well, we don't get to render a verdict and believe me, we we're going to hammer the insurance company. <laughs> and, uh, but the judge told us, Hey, your, your time was not spent in vain. You were a very big part of this process in helping the two parties reach a, uh, a settlement. And I think that if the, uh, the insurance lawyers could tell how it was going, I guess lawyers can do that. And so I think in a way, Eric used the threat of the plain time for, uh, other players to get the starters to be more competitive and play harder. And they may have thought they were playing hard, but then when they realized, you know what, I, I played two minutes the other day right? I barely played, I didn't score. I better get my butting gear or, or, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to get to play anymore. So I think in that, in, in that way, even though those guys, you know, Laden barely played and Joseph didn't play, I think they served – an important role in that A&M game, whereas that may sound just like a jury. I hope this isn't getting too weird out there, but a jury can serve a purpose in making a settlement because lawyers can see which way the wind's blowing, and it's like, well, man, I can either reach a settlement with these guys or I can wait for the jury to hammer us. I think I'm going to play it safe and reach a settlement. So, um, you know, sometimes even if you're not actively involved in something, you know, a, a result, you, you still have an impact on it.
1: No, certainly. And I, I think that's a great comparison. I think that, uh, really had you seen Arkansas not do what they did early against Texas a and I mean, by far their best start to a game. And I, I would, I would be willing to say all season, if not all season in a very, very long time, their best start to a game. Um, and I think if you hadn't seen that, had you had not seen the team come out with all that energy, I think he would have gone to those two, like pretty quickly. I really do. I think that it was message sent, message received type of deal. And one of those guys who um, received the message and we got some, you know, a little bit of a backstory to it after the game um, was L. Ellis, who was in the starting lineup. I think it, that just whenever people saw his name in the starting lineup, it took you back a little bit. You're like, whoa, that, that's out of left field, just with kind of the way that things have been going. Uh, Bob, do you want to share, I guess, what Eric said
2: led to that? Well, yeah, Eric was talking about in practice uh, he said, okay – you know, starting five, get out there, five, get out there. And he didn't name who it was. And L, who's, you know, started earlier but had not played very much at all, jumps out there with the starters. And I, I get maybe they, maybe all the guys did. But Eric, I think that sent a message to him, that, hey, L's still engaged. He's still involved. He's not pouting. He's, he's, you know, wants to, you know, get a bigger role with this team. And so I think that sent a message to Eric that, hey, El, L's ready to play. You know, and we didn't get to ask Al about it because we didn't hear that straight from Eric until after the players had talked. I would love to ask Elle about it. But, you know, he's a veteran guy. Uh, you know, he went through a horrible year at Louisville last year, 4-28. and 28. You know, he's got to be anxious to, to win and play. And, you know, he's played juco ball. But, he, you know, he mentioned last night he'd never – he'd always played. He'd never been a guy riding the bench. And so, you know, some guys are going to pout and just say, well, screw this or whatever. Other guys are going to hang in there and want to, you know, want to still contribute. And obviously, you know, give L credit for for taking the right approach. I remember Eric talking on his radio show, I don't know, a month or so ago, when they had their big turnaround a couple years ago, Trey Wade was a guy who stepped up. He he was not a flashy player, really good defensive player, tough guy. He was the guy that actually, I think, broke Eric's shoulder by accident in practice when he landed on him. And he's basically built like a linebacker. I think he actually had a, a tight end tryout with the Falcons or somebody, I think. And so, um, but I remember Eric talking about how you watched, you know, he watched Trey's body language in practice, could tell, hey, this guy has not checked out, he's barely playing, there's a lot of games he's not playing at all, but he's engaged, he's still, you know, very practicing hard, and so he gave Trey Wade a chance, and that was a big turning point, even though Trey didn't put up big stats, he did against Gonzaga, and so, you know, he always hammered Missouri. But, you know, and, some, and maybe L in a different way can be, can be a guy like that, you know, a glue guy that, that helps hold the team together.
1: Well, we're going to wrap a bow on Texas A&M and give a little bit of a look ahead to South Carolina after a real quick break. You're listening to the Basketball Podcast in Mid-America.
0: Stay on top of all Arkansas Razorback sports with a Digital Plus subscription on the Hogs Illustrated app. Get complete Razorbacks coverage in one location. Your subscription gives you 20-plus issues of Hogs Illustrated Magazine, the most unique and compelling coverage anywhere in the state, plus total access to all the content on wholehogsports.com, including breaking news, commentaries, analysis, features, recruiting, award-winning photos, and premium message boards. Subscriptions start at just $17 per month. Join the Hog Sports Network team at subscribe.waco.com. That's subscribe.wehco.com. Or call 479-684-5509 to get your front row seat to Arkansas Razorback Sports. Go hogs.
1: Bob, I want to pick up right where we left off talking a little bit about L Ellis. It was something I was thinking about after after the game, you know, that, you know, he got the start, things weren't going well, of course, up to that point, and he he showed, I guess, some practice with his habits and how he practiced that he was going to be a guy you could rely on. It made me think, you know, at Louisville, he had, he had a pretty good year. I mean, the team didn't, but you look at what he did and he had a pretty good year. So I guess I was kind of thinking he might just be a guy who's used to, you know, things aren't going right. And I'm still going to play. I I wonder if you, do you think that experience at Louisville, he'd been through a really bad stretch. I mean, (laughs) I think that their season, uh, you're going to put, that, uh, compare the two with how Arkansas started an SEC play to Louisville last season. You'll still take Arkansas this year, not nearly as low of lows as Louisville got. But this is that was a guy who he'd been through really bad stretches and showed that he can still come out and play. Do you think that maybe any sort of his past experience with Louisville might have played into you know, his effort? The other night he finished with 15 points. Uh, was 8
2: of 8 from the foul line, 6 rebounds. Yeah, career high six rebounds. Eric pointed that out, and you know, L as he's six two? He's not the biggest guy in the world, but and A and M still beat him on the boards by thirteen or fourteen. But A and M's the best offensive rebound team in the country, and that came into play. But yeah, getting back to L, my guess is you know, you go through a four and twenty eight season. Even though he averaged about eighteen points, he was he put up great stats on a horrible team. And um, you know, if he wanted to keep scoring high, he could have stayed at Louisville or he could have gone to some place where he knew he was going to be the guy. And he comes to Arkansas, where you know there's going to be competition for minutes. But I think he wanted to win, and you know, obviously Arkansas has won big under Eric Musselman and gone to back-to-back Elite eights and a Sweet 16. And so, um, I don't know L. El, Ellis well. You know, limited uh, times talked to him. I've been, really enjoyed it. I think he seems like a great guy and good player. But my guess is he just wants to be. He wants to win. And so I think that's probably why he kept a good attitude and why. Um, he, he wants to help these guys win and turn the season around because, you know, he's been through the worst of the worst of Louisville in terms of, you know, win-loss. And he wants he wants to play for a winner.
1: You know, talking about, you know, on the flip side, you know, you have your L. Ellis who comes in, has a big game, um, plays well. Um, he was, I guess, one of the guys that might have received that message at Florida that we were talking about as far as you got to bring it um, a guy who we didn't see at all the other night and Eric Musselman said afterwards, um, it was like, it was a coach's decision. There wasn't any injury or anything else on the back it was Caleb battle. He'd, um, he didn't log any minutes the other night, I guess. Just curious, uh, from either of you, do you think that maybe he's a guy that we see get back in it do we know what, to, do we know what to expect going on there?
2: You know, that was a little surprised. He only played, I think two minutes at Florida. So you know, and he didn't play – I think he played 24 at Georgia but didn't shoot well. He's obviously a guy you're looking for instant offense off the bench, and he's provided that most of the year. He's their number two scorer. I think after about 10 games, he's averaging about 17 points, and now his averages down to 12 because he hasn't scored much. But, um, you know, he's an older guy. He's a senior. He, again, played on bad teams at Temple. I think he's you know, looking to be someplace he can win. And um, – yeah, you know, Eric's obviously trying to send a message to him but not even putting him in the game. I don't know that – I don't think – just guessing, I don't think Eric started off saying, well, he's not going to play. Um, but just the way the starters were going, it, he probably didn't want to mess up the, the floor or whatever. But I do think if they're going to have a good season, they're going to need battle to, to get back in, in the rotation because he has shown to be a guy you know, who can be a go-to scorer. He's a guy who can create – guy that can get the foul line. He's a guy if the shot clock's run down, um, he can go make something happen. Teron Mark can too, but it's nice if you can have a couple of those guys on the floor. So I do think there's a role for him. It really probably depends on how he handles this. Um, I was kind of watching him late in the game, and he was sitting very close to the coaches, and he got up. He didn't seem to be pouting to me. Seemed to be engaged in the huddles. So uh, hopefully for Arkansas' sake and his sake, he's keeping a positive attitude about this, and and I do think his name will be called again, and when it does, he needs to be ready.
1: Yeah, kind of on that same line of thought, Blake, do you see – I mean, we've talked a lot about – I think that that's what everybody's kind of talking about after the Texas a game of if there could be an Arkansas turnaround. If there's going to be one, do you see any turnaround where battle isn't, I guess, part of the mix?
0: Well, you know, earlier we were talking about guys, like, getting the message um, – you got to remember, you know, every guy on this team has a different personality. So certain coaching decisions and styles are going to work work differently on different guys. And if you want to talk about guys who who seem to get the message, it was Tremont Mark. Thought Jeremiah Davenport had a really big game. Um, Devo looked better. L. Ellis, who we've talked about, had a huge game. Uh, Chandler Lawson had some some highlight plays, but and then but then Caleb Battle like, doesn't doesn't play at all. So it could just be and you know he's he's been struggling the past what five, six games. We talked about it last week about how he was so energetic and animated in the first first few games of the year and then that kind of went that his it's it's almost like his attitude changed in the game and now it's like he's not playing at all. So it could just be a situation of he's he's not getting the message and it, it remains to be seen if he will or not uh, I'd like to see him be part of the mix because he was a really fun player to watch but you know if it if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out
1: yes and I think it's important to note that Eric Musselman after the game whenever asked about you know battle not playing it wasn't he didn't mention anything about anything other than it was a coach's decision and um and he, I think he said something along the line of thought of like um you know game by game like it, it could change like it's uh I, I think he definitely left the door open of just like it might have been just this game, um, just kind of how things were going and the flow of the game. You know, you build a, such a big lead like that, like you said, Bob. You don't really want to change much. Hard to hard to look up and see a thirty to ten lead and want to change much. But um, but yeah, Arkansas defeats Texas A and M seventy eight seventy seven, sets up a important an important game this Saturday it starts at noon in Fayetteville against South Carolina a South Carolina team that before the season I believe they were picked to finish last in the SEC and uh their head coach he started off soft at media day and he he wanted to make it very clear that he did not put any stock into preseason
2: ranking. Yeah, South Carolina has been one of the most pleasant surprises. I think they're 14 and 3, 2 and 2 in the league. Didn't play the toughest schedule, but I think their only non-conference loss was, was to Clemson who's been ranked most of the year. And I think it was a road game. So if people remember, they got they have Michi Johnson, who's a guard, who's kind of like Wade. I'm not saying he's as good as Wade Taylor, but he's a guy that can percolate and get hot. And he's, you know, can score from all over, you know, transfer from Ohio state nowadays, you know, a lot of these guys are on their fourth, fifth, whatever, sixth school. <laughs> he's a guy that stayed there. Um, and, uh, so I, I like our, you know, Arkansas. This is a game Arkansas needs to win at home. But South Carolina is not not a gimme. They're not a team. I think Arkansas is going to roll over. You know, they've they've shown some uh, some fortitude. Like I say, being being picked last in the league, and and uh, I remember talking to Michi Johnson in Media Days, and he, he wasn't like you know all like all oh, the media sucks and they're idiots or something like that. He just said, hey, we're we feel we're better than that, and we're going to go out to prove it. So you got to give them credit. They didn't. Um, you know, again, they didn't pout, and they've they, they've had Georgia beat them uh, the other night in Columbia, South Carolina. That was a really good win for Georgia. I think it speaks to how well Georgia's playing. Georgia almost beat Tennessee. Georgia's about that far away from being four zero in the league, and so um, you know, Arkansas can't look at that and say, "Oh, well, South Carolina lost at home, and so they're we're, they're going to come in here and we're going to beat them." Because you think about Auburn's historically. Is, has not had much success here. AM has not, but AM's al- almost won. Auburn blew them out. And so South Carolina's probably coming in here r- ready to roll. And it's an early game. You know, sometimes you don't have a big crowd for a noon game. I think with the weather get hopefully getting a little bit better and Arkansas winning, you know, they will be a good crowd. And, um, you know, but, yeah, I think there's hope back for Arkansas. I hope for the players, hope for the coaches, hope for the fans. And so we'll see what happens, but yeah, I think it'll be a very, you know, it'll be a very competitive game on Saturday.
1: Yeah, I think one of the most pleasant surprises actually from the other night was, um, I mean, none of us knew what the crowd was going to look like. You know, with an zero three start, um, TCC play. Uh, The weather conditions, and I mean, it has been nasty up here this week with (laughs) temperatures. I mean, it felt like a heat wave the first time it got up to like 17 degrees. So you just didn't know what the crowd was going to look like, and it was it was way more full than I would have expected. It was a great student turnout that didn't surprise me, considering I think a lot of the students had gotten back from break, and it was probably restlessness of just want to do something. So there was a great student turnout, but overall, I thought the entire like lower bowl had a good. I mean, it was filled up pretty well. Um, so that was that was an, probably an encouraging thing for the team, just stepping into an arena and seeing you still have fans behind you. Um, so we'll see how it turns out Sunday. But talking about on the, on the topic of crowds, Texas A&M was fresh off a game where they had a – I think it was pretty packed down there uh, for their win over Kentucky, a very emotional win, um, overtime win, before they came to Fayetteville. We wonder if, like, maybe that just that, that effect of, like, that emotional high coming down from it might have set them back a little just you know, it's it's just you you got to get up for every game and it's it's after you have an emotional game like that it might might have been hard. but we won't there won't be any of that talk with South Carolina because they're coming off a loss. So um, they're gonna come in, you know they're gonna be really hungry wanting to
2: get a win. Oh yeah, and plus Arkansas and South Carolina both played on Tuesday night, so they've had you know Arkansas had a day extra day to get over the high of the win. South Carolina's had an extra day to get over the disappointment. And if they could come in here and get a win, I mean, road wins are like almost like two home wins to me. Nolan Richardson used to talk about that. They're just so precious and valuable. Um, You know, I don't know. It's like walking down the street and find a hundred dollar bill on the sidewalk or something. You're like, man, this is great. Look what I found. And so, uh, road wins in conference, especially the SEC, it's a tough place to win. You look at these, at these uh, what. Some, you know, Auburn's playing real well on the road. They they hammered Vandy and I, they obviously went to Fayetteville, but the you know, Ole Miss has been a really good team. They went to Tennessee and got handled. Uh, LSU uh, beat them last night in Baton Rouge. Of course, LSU went to College Station and won. So, but yeah, I, I think South Carolina's going to come, come in here very motivated, you know, very excited to play. And, you know, Arkansas better be able to match that. I mean, they should. They can't, certainly can't relax. Oh, wow. <laughs> We beat a and M. I I mean, they got a lot more work to do. And I do think if this start, you know, I, I would think Eric would probably start the same lineup. Maybe there will be different matchups. But I think whoever he's got out there, if they're not, you know, it's one thing to miss a shot, but if they're not, you know, going to the boards, if they're not rotating, if they're not hustling back, uh, they're going to be out of there. I think he's going to have a very quick hook, and I think guys probably understand that. And so, you know, sometimes you think you're playing hard and, and you're really not. And so I think these guys, you know, for their sake, hopefully now understand the level it's going to take to play in the SEC. And they're going to play with a sense of urgency, a sense of desperation. Not always a bad thing, you know, be on edge a little bit, uh, you know, be be concerned about playing time. Hey, if I want to earn my minutes, I, I mean, I better go out there and earn them. They're not going to be given to me. And maybe there was a sense of entitlement earlier. I think that's gone.
1: Well, we will have a much better field this time next week whenever we sit down and talk again about maybe if that Texas A&M game was the start of you know just a good ride of momentum for the Razorbacks. Um, by the time we'll talk next week, they'll have played South Carolina. That's this uh, Saturday. Then they travel to Ole Miss. It's ranked right now number 22. They're traveling to them next Wednesday. I doubt they'll be ranked after the loss to LSU. Maybe. Maybe Arkansas will be going and traveling to a ranked team um, next next Wednesday. but. The next time we sit down, I think we'll have a much better feel of if Tremont Marks, game winner against Texas A&M, might have been the start of riding the ship. But as for now, I'm Ethan Westerman. Was happy to be joined by Bob Holton, Blake Sutton, as always. Uh, thanks for listening to the Basketball Podcast of Mid-America.